0: another episode of the Roost Podcast. As always, I am Curtis Byers, here with my co host Matthew Bartlett, the founder and managing editor of The Roost, your premier source for Rice Sports News and Analysis. Uh thanks to everybody who's been listening along with us listening along with us so far through this very extended and, and possibly about to get even more extended off season. Um, we've been having a good time doing these and we hope you have as well. Uh please Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast if you would. That would help us out a lot. It's available on all your favorite podcast platforms, and uh, you can follow along with uh, the podcast itself on Twitter at the Roost Pod, and then the feed for everything from the site at, at the Roost, um, as has become our, our pattern recently. We'll we'll have a couple of housekeeping items, and then have some uh, some news items to get to before we have our interview for the week.
1: Yeah, for nothing. For the sky not falling, we ended up having a, a fairly busy week. So we'll uh, start out the first couple things first. Um, there's been a couple recruiting developments, and for those uh, who haven't had the chance yet, go ahead and and follow us, subscribe on Patreon at Patreon.com/slash The Roost, and you can always go find that on the the website. We'll have all of recruiting updates and stuff uh, of that nature. will be there for all of our subscribers rice is currently top five class in conference usa top 100 recruiting class in the nation and uh doing pretty well so you want to stay plugged in with that as always season or not you can go ahead and get the the rice football season preview and the conference usa preview um if you are north texas fan following us and you haven't picked that up the conference usa one is five bucks it's got four pages on every team instead of just a blurb it's well worth it and uh, it's got a little good stuff, have some info on the uh, North Texas quarterback situation, among others. And that will bring us into some actual football. Do we want to start with fo- football, football, or do we want to hit our COVID spot first?
0: Uh, let's get the, the I guess, the the, the sort of bad news, the, the stuff relating to the ominous specter hanging over all of college football and everything else about the country right now.
1: And then get, we'll that, get that out of the way first. Yeah, so first things first, uh, since we last talked of the podcast last week, we talked about the Ivy League cancellations and the Big Ten pushing back their season. Since then, the Pac-12 has also announced uh, they're going to conference-only games. The Patriot League, FCS League up in the Northeast, has canceled their season uh, entirely with the uh, caveat they're leaving things open for, for Army and Navy to do as they see fit, which is important, because Rice is, at this very moment that we're recording, scheduled to play Army. So that is not included in those cancellations. And then a couple couple D2 and D3 conference cancellations uh, for co- their entire conferences as a whole. So things have been progressing, but nothing, nothing major-ish beyond that. Well, actually, uh, this came out, on Wednesday afternoon, the Rose Parade has been canceled. It's going to be the first time since World War II that it will not uh, happen as scheduled, which is kind of jarring if it took Pearl Harbor to stop the first Rose Parade and uh, COVID-19 might be the second.
0: Yeah, as of now, the game is still on, I think. but uh...
1: That is correct. This is right. the parade, which... You know, honestly, depending on who's playing in the game, I'm a sucker for the parade. I'll watch that every year. But I'm never that, up that, that
0: early on New Year's Day, <laughs> so...
1: <laughs> All right, well, they they will probably have the uh, the TiVo version of things. People won't say TiVo anymore. Kids these days don't even know what TiVo is, do they? They'll have a recording on it, I'm sure. Yeah, they don't watch TV
0: that. live anyway, so the concept of recording it for, for later viewing is sort of...
1: Yeah, what's a commercial? <laughs> now yeah. brought to you by um so that's that's about it which you know i think if we can hit the covid portion of the podcast then what was that a minute two minutes then things <laughs> that's probably the best we've done in a month yeah like.
0: that's certainly better than doing so, a, whole, a whole podcast on it like we did last week so yes you
1: know. thank you jared <laughs> from uh underdog <laughs> dynasty for stopping by and we did talk we did talk some utsa football which uh, hearing what it's like to start uh, coaching a program in a pandemic was about as bleak as it <laughs> kind of sounded. Yeah, um, but more more actual football news. If we want to go there, we have we know there's going to be some fo- sort of football because Phil Steele is putting out a magazine, and that is how I set my my proverbial calendar mm-hmm. every off season. It means it's about time for uh, football to get back, and his. I guess he's officially – he sends a, a pre-release out to uh, all the coaches and programs just say, hey, by the way, hey, here are, your, here are your folks and what's going on. And six Rice players were named to Phil Steele all-conference teams. So, of course, you have Blaze Aldridge, first-team recognition, deservedly so. Uh, long snapper Campbell Riddle, second-team. I believe he was fourth-team last year. So we have Phil Steele doing – the long snapper power rankings, for which we're ever forever indebted, and then yeah, a couple of the thirteen. Like, how do you
0: how do you evaluate a long snapper? I don't, like, how, how does that even like? Okay, if they have like a couple of bad snaps to the point where it's like obvious that they're messing something up, like okay. But like, how do you evaluate?
1: You yeah, they're they're either, they're either <laughs> bad or I guess they're good or fine.
0: <laughs> they're either terrible or you forget they exist. Right. Like, I, right. I have no idea what the what the evaluation process there is like.
1: Well, reminds me of uh, Coach Sabota, uh, Rice special teams coordinator, when they were doing kind of the uh, welcome to Rice uh, incoming class. They showed highlights of all of the incoming freshmen and transfer that had signed um, by signing day. And Colin Riccatelli, the transfer kicker coming in from Stanford he showed highlights of him making the field goals that he kicked and he kind of joked about it at the time but hey it's a kicker that's what he's supposed to do (laughs) so maybe we can go dig up some highlights i will say rice did pick up a transfer long snapper from the ivy league so i don't know maybe there's some film out there i don't i didn't look too hard for the long snapper.
0: It, it, critical to have that depth at long snapper, you know. You, ne- you never know when you, you're going to have to yank your guy, I guess. so.
1: Uh. Hey, they did have, I will say, Rice was cross-training folks in the, in the nine spring practices they did, did have. Uh, I think a couple of tight ends, some, some linemen got some practice at, at long snapper duty. So it sounds like they might not be needed, but, you know, we'll see. So we got long snapper Campbell Riddle, second team. And then three on the third team, George Nyqual at safety, uh, Brad Rosner at wide receiver, and Austin Trammel at wide receiver. Austin also gets the non for third-team punt returns. And then rounding things out is a fourth-team tackle, Clay Servan, which I think is way too low. But he's still relatively young.
0: Uh, Like, I guess I can live with Austin and Brad being third team because there's there's pretty decent depth at wide receiver. I I felt a little little slighted on George's behalf uh, for third team for him.
1: Like, I don't know. All he's done has been really, really good. And if you want to if you want to quibble a little bit, Shea Baker, anybody who can play all the interior spots on the offensive line as well as he does, he's. He he's a worthy of an honorable mention. I mean, if we're going to go four teams deep. Right. <laughs> that's why it's also, you know, like, you know, you'll take it. You make the, it's a, it's a little bit different than making what I guess. Athlon does four teams now too. Don't they? I guess, or at least online. Everybody just keeps making the list longer. <laughs> <laughs> that way everyone can tweet out. We have so many on the list. Yeah. But most importantly, blaze at number one, Maybe not number one, but first team. Number one in our hearts. Number, I, you know, (laughs) I can stand by that. Ready to see him improve on his 100-plus tackle season before we get back to football. So that's the good rice news. And then if we want to hit some Conference USA news, now that we're... And I think we could probably sit in this and go down this wormhole longer about the transfer portal. And we probably won't because we want to get to our guests we're really excited about. Um, but it is the middle of July. It has been, you know, shut down everything for football purposes since the middle of March, March 12th and four months. And we're still having people enter the transfer portal, which I don't really understand what has changed on your football team between now and March.
0: Yeah. Like what's leading you to make this decision now that you couldn't make it three months ago. Like, I uh, don't know. It's especially since we just moved to, you know, they've got this modified off season calendar and obviously not everyone has done it yet because, you know, various COVID situations and, and
1: and why might not be a season. Yeah. You might not miss anything, <laughs> but uh, all this around uh, Marshall starting, oh, I guess, presumed starting quarterback, Isaiah, Isaiah Green uh, entered the transfer portal this week. He was the starter at Marshall for each of the last two seasons, had, had a really, really good, strong 2018 campaign. It was kind of so-so last year, like people were expecting him to take a jump, and he was had some moments and had some and very down, not, yeah. not good moments. So I don't think necessarily that anyone was going to put him in like a top five, you know, quarterbacks in Conference USA. But he was he was middle of pack. He was serviceable. And anytime you lose your starting quarterback, who's been your starter for two years in July, if this were a normal offseason, like mandatory practice would have started this week. And fall camp is three weeks away. <laughs> yeah, the, 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 time, the timing.
0: The timing would be weird in in a normal season, and this year it's just like transfers. There can always be unusual circumstances that are you know particular to the player and the school and stuff like that. So it, it definitely could be something like that where it's a personal thing or or you know something that that if you were to could know behind the scenes, it would make a lot more sense, but. From the outside, this is not one that you you know, not there are plenty optimal. of yeah, no, there are plenty of transfer portal announcements that you hear and you're like well, you know, that makes a lot of sense um, depending on, you know, the timing and where that player is on the depth chart and stuff like that, but this one is, is pretty inscrutable from the outside. I can't say I, I I really have any clue what's going on here.
1: And I'm, for one, just thankful that On the Rice front regarding the transfer portal, it's been pretty much silent. I mean, had a couple folks leave at the end of the season, but nobody that was going to be a starter this year. Some depth pieces, but so far, so good. That's probably a good sign, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, pretty light on the whole, and you know, the couple that they did lose were like you said, you know, there's a couple of like normal windows where you expect to see people go in like right after when the season ends and right after spring practice and stuff like that. And they were all, they were all right in that, in that first window and
1: been pretty quiet since. So I'll take it. And while we're on uh CUSA, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up us us talking at the air, and we're going to go ahead and bring on our guests and talk some North Texas.
0: All right, we are here now with our guest for the week, Matthew Bruni of Mean Green 247, uh, obviously covering North Texas. Uh, we are officially doubling our number of Matthew B's on the podcast for the week, so uh, <laughs> that's an auspicious start. So, uh, but uh, how you, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thank you all for having me on.
1: Hey, this is a right. Nice podcast, so we had to start out with the math, right?
2: Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, two two MBs on here. Uh, I think the world needs more MBs. All uh, right, now, I'm trying to think if North Texas has any. I don't. I don't remember any off the top of my head. They have. They have a lot of B's, but Jacob Brammer on the offensive line, but no MBs. So we got we got to fix that.
1: Ooh, now I'm racking my head on the Rice roster. Got JB Jason Dean. Uh I'm
2: trying to think what else we got here. Uh, that, that's, that's most what I got, I think. E.B.
0: Yeah, no, there's a one that immediately comes to mind for a
1: Rise. Or you forget damn, somebody damn. very important. Yeah, I know. And, and the sound.
2: Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a good thought exercise, though. Yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, but that's uh, a good, good way to start a podcast right there is to get your listeners thinking.
1: There, there we go. This uh we we promised there will be well we're not gonna promise there's not gonna be any more thinking. There might be don't, thinking, but Yeah, there you go. <laughs> don't don't promise anything right now. Oh, how about this one? We got backwards. We have Bennett Meekum. Oh uh,
2: uh, yeah. Yeah, we got a BM. I, I will allow
1: it. Is that is <laughs> <does> that <count? laughs> uh the impartial arbiter has ru- ruled. There you go. But we are not gonna talk about backup receiving options for Rice today. We could if if we want to, but we uh, obviously uh, over at 247 covering North Texas, we wanted to uh get somebody who lives and breathes Mean Green literally to uh, kind of give us the uh, the bird's eye view and ho- hopefully take us a, a little bit deeper. So um as best as you can during a pandemic with the, the <laughs> everything that goes with it being around it, can you kind of just give us uh, you know your uh, quick insight on assuming we're getting to a season, where where is this team right now, and kind of what's the the status of of the program uh, under Seth Luttrell?
2: Yeah, so Seth Luttrell entering his fifth year at North Texas, coming off of back to back top four recruiting classes. Um, I was we have our our own podcast at at twenty four seven, um, where we we talk about North Texas, obviously, and it's been kind of a debate for the past few months and really the past year is that is this going to be the gap year for North Texas is this going to be the the difference between the Mason Fine years and the years where they were actually good recruiting and that's where we kind of are right now that's where I think a lot of fans are is that you know how quickly are you going to see the the 2019 and 2020 recruiting classes that were very good and is this the year where you might have to take another step back which I was um, passionate about on, on our podcast where I was saying, you know, that's, it's an indictment on the trail, you know, to have this gap year after coming off of a 4-8 season because everybody knows the 4-8 season last year was a disappointment for North Texas. I mean, everybody had them at least top two in their division, you know, Mason Fine, you got going to there their 24 seniors on that team last year. Obviously, receiver Rico Busty goes down and things kind of unfold from there. But this year, it's kind of, it's kind of a situation where the young players are going to be thrown into the fire in a lot of situations, starting at quarterback, looking at receiver, looking at defensive back. Um, they, they return linebackers, uh, Katie and Tyreek Davis and Joe Zogu. The defensive line, you lose to Darius Hamilton and another NFL guy there. Um, I mean, you just, you lost so much from a team that was supposed to be so good last year that it kind of leaves you in a place where you're wondering, what what's next for this team. They picked up a couple of Juco guys on the offensive line, so hopefully that helps. But their offensive line has never been really good. And the receiver position is kind of a question mark, except for Jalen Darden, who is a monster. I mean, a first team all-conference last year, I believe, and he's probably going to do that again. But, I mean, a lot of question marks uh, on the roster, a lot of young guys that have to prove themselves. But that's why going into it, and a very hard non-conference schedule, uh, I do want to say, I mean, that is... SMU, Houston, and A and M, with two of those being on the road. Uh, that's a that is that sets the tone for a very difficult uh, season. And and then I think they start conference play with Southern Miss or somewhere, something like that. And it's just it doesn't get much easier. So that's that's why there's a lot of questions marks around this team right now. Whereas last year I think we did a team preview and we kind of used the hashtag. This is it. Uh, this year it's kind of it's going to be something like you know find a way or something like that. You know someone has to step up and show us that they're gonna you know take put this team not on their back but you know they're gonna take a step forward where this team needs them to whether that's offensive line you know defensive back quarterback who knows right now
1: yeah it, it's interesting and and carter and i were, were musing before the uh the podcast seth luttrell like you know go back a year was one of the probably the the hottest names in in coaching as far as you know up and coming guys and you know, people were throwing his name out for USC and things like that. And, of course, the situation and, and the financial crisis going on means there's probably not going to be a lot of high-profile openings uh, at the end of this season anyway. But, uh, you know, I guess last season being what it was, where's how, where does Latrell fit in this, this coaching landscape? Are, are folks on North Texas still at the point where, like, Man, he's he's really good. We we might lose him soon, or is it just kind of a reassess of m- maybe we could pull like the Skip Holtz and just mm-hmm. kind of stick around and be pretty good. I think, which there's nothing wrong with that.
2: No, no, no. Yeah, for sure. No, there's the North Texas program that I mean. After that 2013 season, they were ba- They were you know middling for a while until the Luttrell got there, and so and even before the 2013 season, you'd have to go back to like 2004. Um, so it's very been a lot of inconsistency in this program for a long time. And Latrell, I think he didn't capitalize. He kind of bet on himself, right? Like you said, he was a high-profile coach. He was, uh, I mean, Kansas State almost had him in their like he, they had him, and then there were and then there were some discrepancies about you know he wanted to bring his coaching staff over, and just a lot of things happened there, and then you know, a lot of offensive coordinator positions and you're just hearing, then you're hearing about like, I don't know, you're just hearing about a lot of coaching situations that would that would fit him and then he goes back into the year and it feels like he bet on himself, he bet on this team the 2019 team to kind of make a push at a 10-3 and 3 season or a 11-3 and 3 season and that would get him the job he wanted in the future at a Power 5 school and obviously that didn't happen. They struggled, they went 4-8 and, and he wasn't really on anybody's Mind after the season, and it kind of you you phrased it really well. In that North Texas fans are kind of in a position where they don't know, right? So if they if this team comes out though and they win, if they go seven and five or I'm sorry, seven and six, including a bowl a bowl win or something like that, then I think Seth Petrell can go to teams and be like, you know, this is what I did without Mason Fine. Like it wasn't just Mason Fine creating this offense. Like I can create good quarterbacks. I can create good offenses. And that'll get him that'll get him back in the uh, in the limelight for coaches I, I really believe that and if they go you know four and eight again if they go three and nine let's say if everything goes completely wrong i still think there's i definitely don't think they're gonna let him go or, or fire him by any means a he's i think the highest paid coach in Conference or second um there's a huge buyout on him and so he's not getting fired if he has a bad season but if he has a good season I could definitely see him you know using that as the momentum to kind of strike while the iron's hot he's not gonna you know let let an opportunity like let's say Kansas state go go again so um i think he's too young to kind of be locked in for 10-15 years and he has his ambitions are kind of too big you know he's from played ball at oklahoma he won a national championship he you know he's been around p5 schools his entire career and so for him to 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 stick with the first job, the first head coaching job that he he got. I feel like I, it's not him, at least just just from knowing him and knowing how ambitious he is and how much you know he talks to schools and he talks to teams about openings and stuff. I mean, even this past season there were offensive coordinators, you know, jobs, you know, rumors that we heard about, and that wouldn't have surprised me. But I definitely think that if this team has a good season, we could definitely see him gone. Um, now ranking him in Conference USA is kind of difficult for me because we haven't seen him you know he's coming off a bad season we haven't seen him without Mason fine he has he's had two good seasons and two uh middling seasons and so it's it's kind of hard to rank him in that respect but i definitely think uh he's going to, he can still be a contender for a p5 job in the coming future
1: yeah i mean it it's it's interesting cuz i think we had a when we did a UIB and we had a Evan Dudley from all dot on a couple weeks ago I mean, man, all time is running together in, in COVID time. Mm-hmm. Um, but we yeah. talked about how last year, uh, you, you talked about it with, with Latrell coming into this year, you know, was supposed to be the rebuild season for UAB where they lost everybody and everyone was mm-hmm. completely fine with them taking a step back. And lo and behold, he goes and wins the West at UAB again. And all of a sudden, Bill Clark is, you know, people are surprised that he's he didn't get a job uh, during yeah. the last hiring season. And it, it maybe it could just be that easy uh, for Luttrell. If, if you can show, like you said, win without fine, it'd be a good start.
2: Yeah, definitely. I definitely think, I mean, yeah, like you said, I think the way UAB kind of showed it, showed itself, I think the difference, obviously the difference is that UAB was already coming off a winning season. And so it's like UNC's like, uh, we didn't have that season UAB had and we're not supposed to be much better if at all in the coming years. So that's where it's kind of some trepidation from fans. And I mean, I think Seth Luttrell is obviously nervous as well going into it. just like uh, you know, where does this put me as a coach?
1: So what's your uh your, your sales pitch, your reason for hope? Did y'all uh did did North Texas get any spring in? No. No they didn't. They usually have a, a late
2: spring anyways. And so uh right after break here um or in in Denton I think that's when obviously all the pandemic stuff hit and I think thats I don't think they got any in I'm trying to remember because I don't know because I would have remembered you know obviously a story or a presser or something like that uh but I don't think they got any spring in so that's that really hurt them hurt them there um especially going with such a young team and so many new faces new coaches as well I mean I think New quarterback coach. Obviously, they get, they got rid of their offensive coordinator, Bodie Reader from last year. Uh, the new quarterbacks coach, new uh, offensive line coach, new uh, defensive line coach. I'm trying to think, and new defense coordinator,
0: Clint Bowling. You know, for the teams that are replacing a lot, you're you're kind of more uncertain than ever because you know, mm-hmm. even if you get a full spring, there there's still going to be questions about you know what things are going to look like. But when you don't get that practice, like. You know, it just puts the whole thing up in the air.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's, it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough time. And that's why it's kind of just been waiting it out to see this. You know, I've obviously they've had some workouts, they've had Zoom meetings just like everyone else to try to get on the same page. But you gotta, you gotta see it in person. You gotta get it, get it going in person to kind of get it to gel, um, especially with all the new faces they have. So, so we'll see.
1: So with the uh, the caveat of, of lack of a, a spring giving you some benefit of the doubt uh you know looking into your crystal ball can you uh at least give us your 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 thoughts on how the quarterback situation is going to play out sans fine
2: yeah it's been uh, all the all the rage from North Texas fans but really the past year and a half I guess it's always been projecting who's going to replace Mason Fine and I was adamant last year let me tell y'all I was adamant last year that the replacement for Mason Fine was not on the roster I thought for sure they were going to bring in a graduate transfer bring in uh bring in someone a JUCO guy anything to, to replace Fine in because coming off of the season they had I was like you can't you can't throw these guys in there and expect them to be you know good I I was I was hoping that they would bring in a graduate transfer guy, and they didn't. And so now you're looking at Austin Arnie and Jason Bean as the two guys, the only two guys who got snaps behind Mitchell Fine last year. And with Jason Bean getting probably 80% of those snaps. And I mean, a quick summary of both of them. Jason Bean, is uh, he was a sprinter in high school. He's a really fast guy. He's super mobile. Uh, accuracy on the move is really good, but obviously can get you know antsy at times. Jason uh, Austin Ony, uh played <laughs> in the farm system for the Yankees. I want to say for for about four years from 2013 to 17 or so. So and th- so he's the last two years he's been redshirting and then redshirt freshman, and he is kind of a pocket quarterback. Uh, a, I mean a pocket passer, and he in the limited action he had. He threw he threw dimes, really. I mean, he completed some really impressive passes. Uh, against Louisiana Tech last year. He was where he got the most reps while North Texas was getting the getting their butts kicked. Uh, and Mason and Mason Fine went out in the second quarter. I mean that's Austin awesome. Arni had a great showing there. So uh, both of them have had their stints. I do think that the coaching staff really likes Jason Bean, not only um, his potential, because Austin Ani, like I said, is older. I want to say he's 25, 26. I don't want to get get it wrong, but he's, he's older. Um, so I think he's his potential is kind of set in a sense, where Jason Bean has a really high ceiling. He's obviously mobile, brings a different uh, dimension to the to the team and the offense, because, you know, even Mason Fine wasn't that mobile. He would create kind of like a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, but he wasn't that runner that Jason Bean is. So I think they're leaning towards Jason Bean, if I had to guess, I would I would. I'm gonna guess Jason Bean. Obviously, without a without a spring, it's obviously, obviously difficult. But I'm gonna guess Jason Bean. Uh, Austin Ani I know is a fan favorite. Again, just because of his pocket pocket uh, passing and his precision with the ball. But uh, I'm gonna say Jason Bean at, at quarterback at this moment.
1: I mean, I'm I'm looking now. Look at the uh, our conference USA preview put together. I'm like, who did we put at the top of the depth chart, and we have Ani. Yeah, I know.
2: My 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 (laughs) co-host actually, and uh, you probably, if you polled 100 North Texas fans, I think 60% of them will probably tell you Ani. Like, I I think North Texas fans really like Ani. My co-host, Colin Mitchell, also likes Austin Ani. Um, You know, we we did a uh, player ranking series where I ranked the top 25 players, and, and Colin ranked the top 25 players, and obviously I had been at like 10 and Ani at like twenty and he basically had a flip. Like he had Ani at like six and Dean at like twenty. And so it's 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 basically who you ask. I I'm just going off kind of the coach's reps, but that could change so easily. Like just so, Austin Ani brings so much poise, I guess.
1: So um, is there at least a chance that we just see a full season of like DeAndre Torrey Wildcat? <laughs> that would be fun.
2: <laughs> Man. Uh I'm not against it. Tory and Stiggers in the backfield are are two very good backs. That hey man, those two and Bean. I joked I joked on on our podcast as well. Is that you know do run some triple option in there, man. Get get them going. Hit them hit them with the army look and hit them with the military school look and uh, see how it goes. Whenever you get in, whenever you get in trouble. So
0: hey. um, Bean, I'm curious what you think to what extent the offense would be adjusted a little because it's my understanding and I'm correct me if I'm wrong. I, I have not gone back and, and watched any of the tape recently. Mm-hmm. It's my understanding that Latrell is a bit more, you know, there's all kinds of coaches and offensive coordinators now out there that are, that are air raid guys. Um But different guys have different styles, right? Like, like Lincoln Riley's offense is very different from, Mike Leach, who is who yeah. was kind of the only guy out there who now runs that kind of pure air raid, where you're you you basically have like four passing plays, and that's your entire offense. Yeah, um, and it was my understanding that Latrell was a bit more on on that Leach side of it, that kind of more pure air raid, um, which isn't going to focus as much on kind of uh, you know utilizing a mo- mobile quarterback and 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 emphasizing kind of the option run elements uh in, in the run game so what's uh how, how does the offense change i if you go from a guy like fine who was who was more of a pure you know rhythm pocket passer type to a guy like him what what kind of adjustments do you think latrell wants to make in his offense to accommodate for that
1: to,
2: i mean to, to first i guess to answer the, the assessment. And basically, he comes from air raid. He is an air raid guy. But in his years at North Texas, his running backs have been pretty good. Like Jeffrey Wilson, who plays for the Forty ers now. His first two years at running back, I mean, you you kind of just have to give them give him the ball. So they they be in kind of a spread system, but you have to give the ball to Jeffrey Wilson because he's your best player, uh-huh. and then. And then it kind of morphed into just more of a spread th- system, to where they still ran the ball a good amount of times. Like it wasn't anything near, you know, uh, a, a Mike Leach or, or anything close to that. It was it was close to. I mean, I want to say fifty five, forty five, somewhere around there. I mean, you have Mason Fine, but the biggest issue, and this goes this goes to an even you know different issue uh, that this program has had in past years, is that you don't have the offensive line to go with Mason Fine and that was always Mason Fine's worst enemy and worst opponent is the offensive line was at the bottom half of Conference USA every single year and even last year when we thought they were going to be better they were you know average at best maybe 8th or ninth at Conference USA and so whenever you don't have an offensive line like that you can't really just drop back every single time like I think you wanted to so with both of those factors coming into play he didn't it wasn't as much as air raid as I think he might have wanted to coming in as a coach. So he adjusted it, uh, changed it to spread offense, to where you know maybe one tight end or three or four receivers because they had really good slot receivers the past few years with Jalen Darden, Michael Lawrence. Um, so they they had no problem running four receivers out there, but they would still run the ball at times there, and uh, it you know it would it wouldn't be as much air raid type stuff despite the look. So it was kind of maybe air raid by look, but. Uh, not by, you know, play calling. And so with Jason Bean, if if Jason Bean is the quarterback, I don't think. I mean, we, we saw them experiment with quarterback draws last year with Jason Bean and also Mason Fine to some, to a lot of fans, you know, discontent because they don't. know <laughs> uh, you, you don't want Mason Fine running for four yards and putting his body on line against linebackers. But regardless, um, yeah, they experiment, they've experimented with that before. I don't think they love that. Um, Again, that might be a product of their offensive line not being good enough to block. So you kind of just, you know, quarterback draw. Maybe that'll work. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so Jason Bean, I don't think he'll have a ton of designed runs. I mean, I don't think they'll be running the option. I, I joked about the triple option. I mean, it, I don't think it'll actually happen. But I mean, maybe some misdirection stuff here and there with Jalen Darden, with, you know, Trey Sigurd, DeAndre Tory, but um, not too much design run. I think, you know, you'll have a lot of pocket plays. I think you might see a lot more rollouts to the right or left. He looks good rolling out either side, throwing on the run, and so you know, I think that opens up some some options. But um, as far as design runs, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. That's what I'll say.
1: Yeah, and you you hit on a couple of guys. Whoever does win the job. I mean, obviously, you lose uh, Rico Bussy off to uh, Hawaii. Well, I mean, Rice connection, former uh, Rice wide receiver Aaron Cephas, also going to uh, Hawaii yeah, as Hawaii's a transfer, getting, playing getting a f- playing guys. for a former Rice coach. Man, that could be uh, sneaky, interesting. At uh yeah,
2: I wish
1: 3. They still um, had
2: McDonald's.
1: Right, if they, if but, they
2: still had
0: Cole McDonald. They're putting up fifty points a game. I logically know in my head that I have been told or read, like, at least five times that Todd Graham is at Hawaii now, but <laughs> it, every time I hear it, it, it feels like I'm learning it all over again, and I just have this, like, momentary, this moment of, like, extreme disorientation where it's like, what? So, that, so, sorry, <laughs> sorry, wait, what?
1: <laughs>
2: no, that's how I feel about Graham Harrell at USC, still. Like, i talked to Graham Harrell, his first, I mean, the three years he was at North Texas, and it was like, all right, yeah, the offense is good. The offense is good, but uh, you know, it's not like, it's not like great. And then he goes to USC, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's actually at USC. Like, and he's doing things over there that are like really good. And I'm like, okay, damn. So, yeah, that that I kind of feel
1: you on that. If, if quarantine continues, this is officially a Hawaii podcast. We're going to have oh, to go good, take a, a recruiting visit for ourselves. Um, but. Uh, offensive weapons uh from a a pure skill standpoint i i would agree with you that i don't think i've really i mean you can roll the dice with juco on the offensive line and we'll see where that goes but from a, a skill position standpoint i mean north texas when everybody's healthy you know probably among the at least top half as far as pure talent a wide receiver and running back
2: yeah um Obviously Jalen Darden, like I mentioned a few times, is gonna be really good this year. He's gonna be their guy. I mean caught seventy five, seventy six passes last year. I said he could he could probably catch eighty and maybe twelve touchdowns 12, again. Twelve touchdowns. Yeah, that's the amazing part. And I mean, but that kinda of goes to show that like he was everything for this offense. And you know, once Rico Busty went down, they were kinda of scrambling just like, you know, where do we go for intermediate passes? Where do we go for short passes? Oh, it's just Jalen Darden. Because after that and that gets into kind of the rest of the, the, the roster is that Jair Sworder was a retro freshman last year. Deontay Simpson was a true freshman last year. Um, you go down the roster, Greg White, I believe, was a sophomore last year. Uh, they have a bunch of guys. Austin mcgoon McKin was also a sophomore, I believe, last year. Um, then their tight end situation with Kelvin Smith, who was a senior last year. He was hurt for half the year. Um, so it's it's kind of like, Again, it's just weird coming off of a season where you felt like you had so much talent and now you're looking at it like, well, now Deontay Simpson really has to step up. Because Deontay Simpson last year, 18 catches, you know, two touchdowns. So both of those touchdowns against UTEP and a blowout. Um, You know, now Deontay Simpson has to be that guy. And I'm I'm expecting him fully to take a step forward similar to Jalen Guyton a couple years back for North Texas. I think he can be that good. But, you know, you still have to see it. And so if Deontay Simpson can play at a high level and Jair, Jair Schroeder on the other side can, you know, he caught nine touchdown passes last year out of on 24 catches. I mean, he's a big play guy for them. He's, he's fast, he's tall. So they they do have weapons. I have no problem saying that they're definitely a top, you know, top five receiving corps in in Conference USA. And then you would throw in tight end Jason Porto, who's a veteran. Uh, he's good as well. Um, the running back position is where I think, People are kinda of sleeping on how good Trey Siggers was last year for this team. I really think so. I mean, he he was the engine for this team when they couldn't block up front. They had young receivers. They they couldn't really get anything going a lot of times. Um, especially once he took over the job about at like game three or four last year. He was running over SMU, he was running over anyone they played really, but it wasn't enough. It was never enough. And so that's why I, I see all these things about you know running backs conference Day. I see the rankings. I don't remember where y'all had or if y'all had rankings for running backs, but um, I mean I definitely think he's a top five running back in conference stay at least. And I I see I've seen Justin Henderson from La Tech. I mean uh, Quadros Wadley from UTEP. Um, I mean you can go down a bunch of names. I think Trey Sanders is right there with all of those guys. I mean and when you watch him run. He, he's going to be the engine of this offense right next to Jalen Darn. He's the second best player on this offense. He's the third best player on this team, probably in my eyes. And if they're going to do anything productive on offense, the offensive line will have to block well, but Trey Sniggers is going to have to have a very, very good season. And so I, I do agree with you on that. And I didn't even mention DeAndre Torrey. DeAndre Torrey is a very, very good back. Trey Sniggers just brings that kind of, you know, home run hitting ability. Uh, you know, he can turn four yards into eight yards. He can turn negative yards into positive yards. He's kind of that kind of back in a lot of situations, but to have those two backs is tremendous. So I definitely think they're a top, you know, top four, top four or five skill position team. Uh, just as far as just running back receiver tight ends goes um, in the conference.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm looking here now and I'm, I'm pulling up the, uh, the uh, all conference teams from the preview put together um and, and I'll give you quadras widely at, at UTEP. Um, with, with him being kind of knocked up and yeah, um, nicked up rather—a very different word. Um, but uh, first team Brandon Knox, Justin Henderson, oh, yeah. second team Spencer Brown, sincere McCormick. Um, I like I'll McCormick let you, Brown I'll let and, you quibble with maybe one of those, but as far as pr- proven production, what they've done on the field, uh, I mean, maybe you could ar- argue McCormick, but uh, I could you hmm. could probably say McCormick did more with less than uh Siggers did. Um yeah. although neither no, of them sure. was in Those a great offensive are, they, situation. Yeah. Running back depth, sneaky good in conference, you would say. Receivers too.
2: Yeah, the running backs position is really interesting right now. I all all four backs that you named I, I I definitely I definitely respect and I definitely like. Uh Wadley obviously coming off of last year that that sucked for him last year. Um but Tracy, just keeping keep an eye on him. I have uh a pencil like for next offense, year yeah pencil pencil if he's any if this offense is any good it's because Chase is, is is doing something that you know he's not supposed to do with this this team i guess i guess if
0: that's the right, right way to phrase it <laughs> it's, that's sort of a parallel i think to to the situation Rice is in at that position cuz you know, I keep catching myself being like, oh, man, Rice's wide receivers are going to be so good this year. Like, there's – they have so many guys. Like, it's, it's going to be really deep. And then I have to kind of pull back for a second and be like, okay, well, two of those guys, Brad Rosner and Austin Trammell, have, like, really good track records and have have done – did a lot on the field last year. Um And, like, I feel really good about the talent they have in the other guys, you know, in, in Zay Knipe and Jake Bailey and, and yep. uh, the uh, – the transfer that I brought in from Boston College, extravagant, um, extravagant. Uh, yeah, that's it. So, like, I feel really good about those guys. Like, there's really high on the potential uh, for for the guys behind Trammel and Rosner. But it, it's definitely different. Uh, I think as a fan, sometimes you can sort of, or you know, someone who who is covers a team closely, you can kind of get caught up in the potential of guys that you know are are kind of set to take bigger roles. And sometimes you kind of have to pull back and be like, okay, let's let's see them actually do something before we uh, before we step on this train too much. Hey, yeah. And
1: you you got Andrew yeah. Mason coming in who caught seven touchdowns with a broken hand against Pulaski Academy in high school. So like <laughs> the hype train for the young guys, I <laughs> can get behind that. Yeah. Hey,
2: is this a Rice podcast or is this, is this a sexy <laughs> podcast? Yes. <No>. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, well, I will say. I will say. The reason Deontay Simpson, I'm, just, I'm very excited about him is because that 2019 class, for him, he was the top player in that class. He he was, I want to say he was around 86, 87 rated. 80. I mean, he is a guy who came out of high school with the potential of being a special player. And so seeing it last year, seeing a glimpse of it, kind of reaffirmed that, all right, if you get this guy some reps, you get this guy an offseason in college, you know, you get him what he needs. He has the potential out of high school to be a special guy, and that's that's where I think that you know some of the other guys on the North Texas roster maybe were you know middling guys in the recruiting class or maybe even bottom guys in the recruiting class. Deontay Simpson is probably the highest rated player on this on this receiving. I think I'm pretty sure he is. I'm almost positive he is the highest rated player out of this receiving corps and so that's why it's kind of like all right we're waiting on Deontay Simpson to, to break out next year
1: so I'm I'm you you you've, you've sold me on the offense which which didn't take much doing I, I think you know it it might not be uh, elite but it's probably going to be pretty good especially if mm-hmm. a, a offensive line can come together in any semblance which may or may not happen um, but North Texas Seth Luttrell fielding a, a pretty good offense um, you know, upper half a conference. USA. That's not gonna surprise anybody. I think the question mark um at Luttrell's time so far, um in last year too, uh, has been kind of the defense. This has always been kind of a team that's going to let's score forty and let the other team score twenty five to thirty and we'll just have one, one more possession and we'll we'll win. Is there is there hope of, of that changing with uh, you know, shifting on the of the coaching staff, but uh they, I they just have so much to replace uh, on the defensive side of the ball.
2: Yeah. There's always hope. <laughs> there's always There we hope. go. We're going to um, cut
1: that. That'll be the tagline for every conference USA. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. There's always hope.
2: There's always hope. So um, they're in a, a kind of an interesting position on defense. So they've obviously, they got rid of the defensive coordinator who was there since 2016. I mean, uh, kind of a guy attached at the hip in a lot of ways. I guess to Latrell in that you know he was there through the ups and downs at North Texas, and they actually had a good year in 2018. Their defense did. I mean, they had um, a couple linebackers and corners who ended up in the NFL on NFL teams. They um, you know had young, had a safety, had young safeties, had you know hungry defense linemen with Darius Hamilton and whatnot. 2018, they were good, and you could argue that they like kind of over. They were better than the offense in a lot of games in 2018 to help them win nine games, and so everybody in 2019 was like, "Oh my gosh, this defense is going to be like just as good, if not, you know, maybe even better." Even though they lost those linebackers, um, because you had three seniors in the secondary, you had Madarius Hamilton up front, you had you know you had seniors basically everywhere, and. Like you said, I mean, it just fell apart pretty quickly for this defense. And it showed, it showed actually in the first game against Aveline Christian at home, when Aveline Christian put up, I want to say they put up 35 points on them. And for some reason, none of us paid any mind to it. And so we kind of just, you know, continue like, okay, you know, now they got SMU, you know, let's see how they do. And, we should have just seen that as a red flag off the, off, off rip because then SMU torches them and then Houston torches them and it just kind of just rolls, snowballs into, you know, La tech dropping like 48, 50 something on their, on them. Southern Mist making them look like a practice team. I mean, UTEP, I, I don't know, UTEP didn't score. UTEP scored like seven or something.
1: The only good game was UTSA last
2: year. And so now UTEP, UTEP scored a
1: 26, by the way. That's
2: what it was. That's what it was. I knew one of them. Was crazy. Yeah. UTEP put up 26. And I remember going into that game being like, you know, UTEP hasn't scored like over like 20, I don't remember what the number was, 20 something against Division one teams like in years. And I was like, all right, well, I, I think North Texas can put up 30 something. And I mean, they, they won the game, but still, it was just like, yeah, this defense was not good last year.
1: And, and UTEP scored 31 when they beat Rice two years oh, ago. Damn, I'm
2: sorry. I don't know. Did, did, didn't yeah, mean to I think that, that, that might have been the. <laughs>
1: We're to keep oh, it real, man. even if it hurts.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So, anyways, yeah, the defense was, was not good, and so you go into this year and you return a good amount. Besides Ladarius Hamlin, actually, you return your linebackers, you return Deion Noville in the middle, and then after that, then you're shuffling everything around. The secondary is completely overhauled. Um, besides Cam Johnson at corner, who's fine, who's a you know decent decent corner. Uh, Defensive ends will be uh, kind of new ish. Um, but, I mean, linebackers return from last year, and, you know, that's just the debate of how good you think those linebackers are Katie and Tyreek Davis. And last year they had a lot of tackles, but, you know, not a lot of, you know, I guess meaningful tackles. And so it's a defense that I feel like you, ha- you can't go in with high expectations. You have to just assume that they're going to be similar to last year. You hope with a new defense coordinator, Clint Bowen, he brings. He brings something that Refit didn't. You hope that, because Refit kind of panicked last year in a lot of ways. He kind of, so Refit, just to get some context, Refit was a man to man guy for his whole, basically his whole tenure. And then he switched to zone ex- exclusively last year. So he only brought three and dropped eight probably half the time last year, which is crazy. If you go watch the Southern Miss game, it is literally. Insane because they North Texas brings three drops eight and guys are still running wide open. It's just weird. So you're hoping that Clint Bowen can kind of bring some sort of something unique, something that this defense needs, just something that matches their personnel. I think their obvious strength is going to be Deion Noville up front. Uh, I think the linebacker is going to be fine. I think they're going to be solid. But the secondary is just really where there's so many question marks. But Going into it, you're looking at it like you know the secondary can't be much worse than last year. That's that's the positive. So you know if you is it can is top, it if you can stop the run and you can maybe be decent in the past game, then you, you, maybe make some turn force some turnovers because last year they forced like, no turnovers, and so now you're looking at it like uh, maybe it can be a little better, and that's basically where the hope lays.
0: You know, Rice kind of felt the same way after 2018. You know, they, they spent that entire year watching every single team they played throw like four bombs over the back of the defense. Uh, and then Rice had a pretty good defense last year, so reasons uh, mm-hmm. you know, for optimism.
1: There's always yeah. hope. There you go. If a, we yeah, if we see we're already going to that. <laughs> <laughs> if we circle back all the way to the beginning of the conversation, we talked a little bit about the the schedule. I, I looked it up, and, and North Texas does open. Uh, you know t- this UTEP t- tying in does uh, open up against Houston Baptist, which w- was leading UTEP oh into God. the fourth quarter, and uh, UTEP had come from behind to uh, beat, beat HBU. So there, that'll be your litmus test if we uh, yeah. we do Jeez. get that game. The Huskies.
2: Uh, yeah, I, I I remember I obviously followed everyone in college yesterday, and I remember seeing that. I was like, okay, well. You know, UTEP. UTEP will at least will at least be a win on the schedule. So we'll see how North Texas does going you this year. Hope hope there's not too much need uh, for concern if that game goes on. That North Texas will be able to pull it out. If it, if North Texas loses that game, you can call me again on, back on this podcast and <laughs> and we can
1: talk. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like what. what Carter, what what was the what were we saying when Rice was 0 and nine last year? I, I feel like we've we've already had the bottom and uh <laughs> at that point we, we we've been there. We can commiserate and uh and hey uh, Rice uh, is the only uh oh, only team in Texas that won their last three games. So uh
2: I, I can I can kinda relate to y'all, but I'm entering this year. In a similar, I guess, in a similar state to where I guess I guess y'all have been here before, where that you know expectations are low. Whereas all the other years, you know, I've I've covered the team, which has only been three, four years at this point, only the Luttrell era. You know, there's always been hope. You know, it's always been, you know, oh, new coach, oh, they made a ball game. Now they win nine games. And now they win nine games again. And then last year, oh my gosh, this team's gonna be good. And now this is the first year where it's like, okay, wait, what what are we looking at here? What are, what's gonna happen here? So that's where I'm kind of hesitant. I've never, never had a situation uh, with this North Texas team where the expectations are kind of low. So that's where I, I kind of need to take some take some notes from whoever I can to figure
0: out how to handle hey, if if things, hey, if things hey. go bad. <laughs> no, yeah, that, just just don't. You don't want to be in those situations, uh, you know, like UTEP with HBU last year. You don't want to repeat that. The, the Rice Parallel that comes to mind for me there was in 2016. So, you know, they had gone to three straight bowls from, from 12 to 14, won that conference championship in 13.
2: Mm-hmm. And then they
0: went 5 and 7 in 2015. It's like, okay, well, you know, a bit of a down year. That's fine. Um, and then they start off 2016 by going 0 and 6. And I was like, well, this is bad. But, you know, in 2012, they went they started 1 and 6, and they won their last six games, you know, got to a bowl and everything. Uh, and you know Ryzen twenty sixteen did uh, win its its seventh game. Uh, it was against Prairie View, and uh, the final score was sixty five to forty four. So, wow. oh yeah, uh, <laughs> this
2: is this is this is exactly what I needed to hear.
0: Between that and the the UTEP uh, Houston Baptist example, I, I think when you can officially hit the panic button is when you have that that game where you you beat the fcs team uh but you do it in like a uh what was that year like the it was like the 2011 alamo bowl or something where it was mm-hmm. like 65 to 63 or something like that yeah. you know one of those games yeah no so yeah
2: that's that that again that goes back to what i said last year where i should have when it was 56 to 35 against Christian i should have i should have known something was kind of Something, something was wrong because they didn't even look good in that game either. It wasn't like it was yeah. and they maybe threw some touchdowns at the end, which still would have been alarming. It wasn't. It was like oh, it's only it's a it's a it's a fourth possession game. Can can they lose this still? And no, but yeah, that's um. It's it's definitely it was definitely interesting covering last year's team. It was it was really interesting because the pan- we have a panic meter on our on our podcast and, and one <laughs> one out of ten and oh this is I tell you. I t- yeah, you, you you can take it, you can take it. It's apparently <laughs> here every week and so after SMU lost, because SMU last year for this team, I think this will give context to listeners who don't I guess know what North Texas was last year, is going into the SMU game, which obviously is a rivalry game, SMU has been looked at they beat SMU the year before. They they um no I'm sorry, they beat them twenty eighteen. They beat them, beat them really bad. And then 2019, they lost. And this was looked at, I'm sorry. At, subtract a year from that. 2017, they won. 2018, they lost. If I get that flip, someone will correct me. but There was a uh, win in there. Okay, yeah. One of those <laughs> things they won handily. And so after that, tw- coming into 2019, you know, everyone's looking at, you know, this is going to be a coin flip. Shane Bouchel, Mason Fine, James Pro Rico Busty. I mean, you go down the list of this; these are guys. And that loss, every loss was 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 painful. I guess for North Texas fans, but that one kind of started it to be like, all right, well, I guess this isn't the year where we have that special season where we, you know, beat SMU. You know, and then they they lose to Louisiana Tech, then they lose to Southern Miss, and then it's just like, and then ultimately the Rice loss.
1: I was about to say, I was I was curious when when. What's going through your head when, you know, North Texas is is still alive? And I remember the uh, the marching orders from Luttrell all that week. You know, we still have a ball to play for. Our season hasn't gone how we wanted, but you know, we can turn around. And then uh, Trayshawn Chamberlain makes that hit in the end zone. That reverberate. That was one of the louder hits that I can I can recall. And uh, and
2: then and then on third down for Rice at the end of the game against our uh, safety, I believe safety. Kyrie, I don't remember who it was. They just throw a jump ball up there and y'all come down with it and and in the game and I'm like, Well, the defense needs to stop. They didn't get it. And that's basically how the the year's gone. Um and then and then UAB a similar thing happened except on the other side of the ball where Mason Fine had a chance to last game of his career to it's a game winning drive. They're down four, I think, or five, somewhere around there. And he gets it you know, they they kind of, they don't move the ball. It ends up being fourth in like seven or eight or something. And he gets the snap. Garrett Marino, I believe it is. I think it was Garrett Marino. Comes unblocked, up the middle, and sacks him. And
1: saying, ends the game. And ends died. his career.
2: So, <sighs> yeah, it was basically basically the uh, basically just a, a crazy season. Uh, and then you have the Charlotte game last year where they if if you haven't watched the Charlotte game, or don't. Haven't seen the or the craziness of that game is just amazing. Just they they allowed five straight touchdowns in to the game and ended up losing 38-39 or something something like that. So uh yeah, it it was a crazy season last year and I just don't know what to expect this <laughs> year.
1: <laughs> well, I <laughs> uh...
2: All coming back up now because this, this is, is good. Like, sorry to you know,
1: dredge up all those painful yeah, memories. <laughs> this, this is just,
2: of traumatic memories. Here. Yeah, no, it is. It's, it's crazy because obviously, the whole time I've been focused on recruiting more so. And you know, I'll talk to coaches, but so a lot of times they're new coaches or you know, looking towards the future. Sometimes you just got to look back on stuff and just be like, Yeah, man, that really happened. Yeah, crazy, but sorry, sorry to uh, monopolize that. That last no five, this is this is
1: good it, as it's nice to hear other fan bases that have have, got, <laughs> have suffered a little bit along the way
2: yeah i, I think that i think i think advancing it gives context to people who maybe weren't with North Texas last year, just how disappointing the year was to this, this team so i oh. hope i can shed some light on that
1: hey and as as uh on on the rice front that uh that one was really nice. So I was <laughs> oh, I bet it was. I
2: bet it was. Very I went nice. there yeah. and I've never been to a more subdued, depressed locker room or post-game interviews in my life. Steph Metreau, Mason Fine breaks down at the end of the interview. I didn't even know what to do. I just I wanted to hug him, but it's like, oh my god. Like it's just me and one other reporter there, and it's so just so so bad. Yeah, hey know
1: Rice, means- Rice kind of you know, Wiley Green's first, I believe it was Wiley Green's first start and 2018 up up in Denton. That game was pretty close for a while too. So
2: yep, yep, man, yeah. That that's, that 2018 was kind of 2018 team was kind of weird in a lot of ways. I don't even. That's a whole other story, but yeah, that, that team was kind of weird in a way. Like that 2018 team let Old Dominion come back from 28 to three. So it's never been perfect for North Texas, but you know. It definitely it usually is not as bad as
0: it
1: the yeah. last <laughs> year. Uh well we will uh before we do get you out here we've been uh, playing this this game with with all of our guests so far and it's been a uh, interesting to see the uh the reactions develop over the span of I guess what have been doing this for several several weeks now as <laughs> so we get more uh, covid information but uh under the auspices that uh we do have a season we got a uh, the lightning round for you Uh, Rules are pretty simple. What you say will be held against you in perpetuity, um, or at least until we have you back on the podcast again uh, at some point. And just kind of a light on your feet, quick thinking, first answer that comes to mind, and uh, we'll go from there. Sound good?
2: Sounds good. I have no idea what y'all are going to ask me, but let's do it.
1: This is good. You know, we don't tell everybody beforehand. Just appeal back behind the onion because we don't want everybody. I mean, if you listen ahead, for whoever our next guest is, spoiler, Um, you might know. But like
0: the information is difficult to retrieve. (laughs) (laughs) Go ahead.
1: So there you go. So first first question, uh, are we going to have a 2020 football season? Yes or no? In 2020? uh, I, I don't care. Is there a season going to happen in this academic year? How about that? Yes. Yes. Are there going to be fans in the stands when that season happens?
2: Very few, if any.
1: Is that a conference USA comment or a social distancing <laughs>
2: comment? Damn! Damn. Sorry,
1: bro. sorry. Damn. I think that joke's been made already on a previous round. Okay, on the uh, yes, the football.
2: I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that at all. <laughs> That's great,
1: though. On, on the football front, who's going to lead North Texas in touchdowns?
2: Not including quarterbacks?
1: Not including quarterbacks. Jalen Darden. Jalen Darden. All right. How about on the other side of the ball, who who has the most sacks?
2: Devontae McCray, who I didn't mention this entire podcast. Devontae McCray, uh, Shout out Devontae McCray. Junior college pickup, defensive end, replacing D- Darius Hamilton on the edge. going to be very, very good. Uh, compliment for, to DeAndreville.
1: Good choice. Good choice. All right. And then if North Texas doesn't win Conference USA West, just to keep things objective, -hmm. Uh, Who does?
2: Man. Uh, Louisiana Tech. All
1: right, we've been telling people if they're uncertain, they can always say Rice. It'll it'll get you a bonus point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: I I, I think UTF came across my mind before Rice.
1: Oh. I'm just kidding. About about (laughs) that return. (laughs) 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 All right, and then uh, Conference (laughs) USA. conference you would say as a whole um, uh, with without North Texas. Uh, who, who's going to the whole thing? Is it, is it going to be Louisiana Tech or is it going to be uh, your pick out of the East?
2: You know, it's going to be my pick out of the East. I'm actually really – oh, man. The East is the East is crazy. Uh, I'm going to go – I'm going to go – Man, it's either FAU or Western Kentucky. I'm, I like Western Kentucky's defense line so much, but – I think I'm gonna go with FAU just because I feel like they just they always have it. And I and obviously Marshall's in there too, but I'm I'm gonna go with FAU.
1: Wouldn't that be something? How many coaches have lost to an FCS team and then won their conference in the next season? It'd be a yeah. short list.
2: <laughs> Wait for it.
1: Hey, and it's lost conference,
2: should I say. <laughs> yeah, that's uh
1: all right. Yeah, that'll be uh, Rice in North Texas, are we in the same conference in twenty twenty five? It's five years.
2: Mm, mm mm damn, I gotta answer this quick. This isn't lightning. Uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes. I'm gonna say yes.
1: Alright, we'll take it. And then uh over under one and a half more seasons uh for Seth Luttrell at North Texas. One and a half.
2: Over. Over, over. Which kinda of speaks to what I said earlier about this team. My expectations for this team, but yes. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, other than the rice comments, you uh, you you passed.
2: Oh, good, good, good. I, I just graduated college, so you know, I'm glad I could could ace another test.
1: I we didn't say ace. Don't get get ahead oh, okay. of yourself.
0: <laughs> we can't get I final grades until, until we have a season. Yeah, you, right? you lost points for sass there. I tried sneaking it in there. I was hoping it in here.
1: But hey, for our sake, we uh hope uh most of. Uh, uh, except your, your title pick. Uh, we hope <laughs> for, for, for uh, selfish reasons. We hope the rest of your predictions are correct and, and we do have some football uh, to get to um, this fall this spring uh, whenever but before we do let you go, where, where can we uh, follow you and, and pay uh, get all of our uh, North Texas info?
2: So to follow me on Twitter at Matthew Bruni underscore uh, pretty simple there, and I write for Mean Green twenty four seven. We have a Twitter there as well at Mean Green twenty four seven at Mean Green two four seven. On on the internet, pretty simple. Mean Green twenty four seven dot com. You can see all of our articles. Uh, like I said, we're kind of in recruiting mode right now uh, because North Texas has picked up a couple of recruits as of late. But you know, season preview stuff. We're kind of Feeling out to see how the season plays out. Um, we've done a lot of season preview stuff um, in in the past month, but we're going to wrap it up a lot in this coming coming week or so for North North Texas, especially. Uh, so yeah, the Mingering Twenty Four Seven Mingering uh, Twenty Four Seven on Twitter, uh, Matthew Bruni underscore at on Twitter. Trying to make sure there's nothing else I missed to plug. I mean, the the, the podcast <laughs> I kept mentioning, uh, Bruni's Breakdown podcast. Uh, that's available on Apple and SoundCloud, um, another, an extension of our 24-7 sports site. So, yeah, uh, you can go check out our, our our reaction after that Rice game. I'll I'll text that to you all. Our reaction that's after good. the Rice game. We we drove back from Houston that night, got back at I don't even know what time, 1, one or 2 o'clock. I was like, you know what? Let's just do the freaking podcast. We do it. And, <laughs> yeah. I, I think oh, bitch, that podcasts. was gold. Just, yeah, it's. I mean the thing is we were dejecting a lot of podcasts last year like the Charlotte one, the Houston one, but that one specifically we titled it the Seventh Loss because obviously the Seventh Loss and that was the, the backbreaker. And so yeah, I'll send it to you, but yeah, check that out if you are for y'all right fans <laughs> out there.
0: All right, well we uh we we appreciate you giving us that as a peace offering. Uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Thanks to those of you who listened and stuck it out with us. Uh, We will be back again next week. And Rice Fight! This show was edited and produced by Carter Spires. It features music from Joseph McDade.